With a farm bill on the horizon, Congress is already hearing from farm policy wonks, think tank experts, and DC insiders about what they think legislation should say. But the most important voice in this conversation is the American farmer. Farmers like today's guest, fourth generation rice grower, Jennifer James. Welcome to Groundwork. I'm your host, Tom Sell. Now, Jennifer recently spoke before the Senate Ag Committee during a farm bill hearing in her home state of Arkansas. Her testimony illustrated the importance of federal farm policies. It was really remarkable. Jennifer, not only are you a rice grower, but you're also a farmer leader serving on the USA Rice Farmers Board of Directors and active in several grower organizations. You're a busy woman. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. We're so glad to have you. I might just have you start, Jennifer, by telling us or telling the audience about a little bit about your farming operation there in Arkansas and maybe what drives your love for agriculture. Let's start there. Well, thanks, Tom, and thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here with you today talking about some of my favorite topics, of course, farming, and um, I am here in Northeast Arkansas. I farm with my father and my husband, and just recently our son returned back to the farm. So, you know, we are a family farm for sure and certain. We're actually recognized that the state of Arkansas is a century farm, which means we can trace our uninterrupted uh, ownership of, of the land over 100 years in my family. So it's really, really important. And the longevity and the future of the farm is really important to, to all of us here. We farm rice, corn, and soybeans and, and stay pretty busy taking care of all those crops here. That's incredible. And congratulations on the century designation. That's it's not that doesn't happen by accident. That takes a lot of stick to activity um, through trials and tribulations. We always on this podcast talk about the many challenges uh, that 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 farmers face um, from the market distortions and just the general cyclical nature nature of crop prices to the weather disasters. This year, we've seen high production costs. It's difficulty year to year. It's one thing after another, but it's been particularly difficult in in this year for many farm families. Maybe maybe just talk a little bit about the challenges of rice farming in particular. Uh, you do so much work there on the rice front, and and then tell us a little bit about how the crop looks this year. Sure. Yeah, but it's it's been a difficult year. In rice farming, it's been a difficult year for a lot of different farmers ranchers across our country, for sure. Um, but here in rice country, you know, Arkansas is the largest producer of U.S. rice. We have the most acres here in Arkansas, so it is a it's a really big deal for us here in the state. It's big for our economy. It's especially big for the eastern side of Arkansas, where the delta and the, and the rice is grown. Um, our rural communities really, uh, you know, we rely on on the rice farms um, to support our communities and to provide jobs and all that stuff so when it's tough on the farmers it just trickles down you know throughout yeah. our communities um, but this year with the exceptionally high input costs they just you know they exploded pretty quickly for us and the price of rice just has not come on with them you know it hasn't risen with them especially in comparison to some of the other crops so it's really put a tight squeeze on our margins and, um, you know, the rice industry is just having a lot of trouble with that. Some of my friend, friends out in California, you know, they've had extended droughts out there. They're feeling the pressures of 
um, you know, in their part of the world too. So it, it's not just here in Arkansas, it's across the whole industry. And, and yeah, it's just it's been a tough year. Could you, uh, yeah. And, and this rice is particularly unique on the, on the price side, whereas uh, a lot of crops, cotton, corn, soybeans, uh, they've had great increases in the price of their commodity. So um, in, in most cases, I think if, if farmers are able to make a crop, they'll still be able to make uh, a profit, which is which is key. That's where rice is so different. But it, it's also uh, a really high input cost, right? Could you talk just a little bit about, about those rising input costs? So maybe just tell our listeners, what is that? Is it uh, fertilizer, I assume? I assume the cost of diesel, maybe pumps, because rice is an irrigated crop um, with a lot of land management. Maybe just, what what are some of the biggest biggest spikes in in your cost side this year? Well, I would say Tommy you must know a little bit about rice production because you hit some of our top three. Um, yes, we are very reliant on nitrogen fertilizers, you know, in uh, rice, and so the cost of of those fertilizers has really gone up. Um, I would say doubled or more than doubled um, than last season in, in the 21 crop. And we do have to irrigate rice. It, it typically lives in a flooded environment. You know, as you've probably seen on, on TV, pictures of rice growing in other parts of the country and uh, the world too, it's, it's grown in a flooded environment. And we have to use um, diesel or natural gas or electricity or some sort of energy um, to pump that water onto our fields. And as we all are feeling the, the crunch of energy costs, um, you know, throughout the country, we're feeling it excessively here, especially since we had actually had some drought conditions here in Arkansas too. So we, we started pumping a lot more earlier than we normally do. So, um, you know, those costs have been higher than we even anticipated, even with the increases in the cost of energy. And then it is very labor intensive because you've got to manage that water and you can't just turn those pumps on and let the water go. You've got to be out there every day, normally twice a day. You know, our guys who handle the rice irrigation water, they check check all their fields usually twice a day. So they're, it's pretty labor intensive and um, the cost of labor, as we all know, is increasing as well. So we're just really feeling the crunch from all sides. Oh, man. Thank you for just going through that. Inflation has taken a bite out of so many families uh, in the U.S. But when you're running a business like this, I mean, these are these are big numbers. I mean, I, if if you're spending in a normal year, maybe six hundred, seven hundred dollars an acre to produce rice. And and let's say just for math, and this is not your case necessarily, but if you're covering a thousand acres, heck, that's you know, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars. If that goes up. 25, 30, 40%, you're looking at an additional uh, couple hundred thousand dollars just on that thousand acres. That's huge. And and I know your scale is probably even bigger than that. I'm not gonna ask you to talk about the real numbers on your farm, but would you agree with this statement? It's stinking big. Yeah, it's a really big number. Yeah, when you're calling in for uh, you know tanker loads of diesel at a time, those are big invoices show up shocking shockingly large you know <laughs> i'm sure you've had some shocking moments uh man thanks for doing it so jennifer in your congressional testimony you explained to the senate ag committee that the price loss coverage program the plc program is a true safety net for for rice farmers especially but it's no longer providing 
an adequate level of, of protection. Can you expand on that just a bit more and, and maybe what can Congress do to better support rice farmers? Sure, you know, and, it, and I don't think it's really fair to say that uh, the PLC has worked, the price loss coverage program has really worked well for rice um, over the course of this farm bill until we've hit this really crazy year where everything is just turned upside down. So it, it's provided the safety net for rice farmers for, for most of these years, but we just find ourselves in a strange situation with our prices staying flat. And like we talked about, those input costs just, just going crazy out of control. And it just makes the program not fit. It's not adequate. It's not working, you know, like it really needs to. And so I think we need to make some adjustments to the PLC program. Um, and hopefully we'll have the opportunity to, to, to do that in the upcoming bill. Yeah, um, farm bill's coming up. Yeah, and, and you know, Ross, being grown in a flooded environment, we we kind of minimize some of our perils that we might fall under. Um, yep. Of course, hurricanes are bad and wind and some other things, but um, our biggest peril really is price yep. and really is, you know, being able to cover those input costs. Um, so, you know, in the rice industry, we're still talking through a lot of, you know, how how we think we might could structure this in the future. We're talking about looking at increasing the reference price, you know, maybe um, having some adjustments to the payment limits. You know, when you start talking about these whole lot more zeros, um, you know, the payment limits just really aren't in tandem with what's going on in the rest of the economy. And, you know, just ways that we might could provide upward adjustments on that reference price when we experience periods like this where input costs are going up. Man, you hit a lot of really good points there, uh, Jennifer. One on on pay limits and just how they've been frozen for years. Um, even as all the costs and the inputs are 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 growing, even as family farms, family enterprises like your own have to achieve uh, certain economies uh, of scale to efficiently use the equipment. That means getting bigger. That means getting higher stakes. It often means spreading costs across more acreages. And so, and these are, you know, these are the family farms that, that our farm bills are supposed to support. So uh, you mentioned, and this is, I, I know in this PLC program, uh, even as uh, profitability is being squeezed for rice farmers, the, the help, the assistance provided by the PLC for this year is going to diminish uh, greatly. Never mind the fact that that it's actually a less profitable endeavor this year than it was last year. In light of that, I think USA Rice has actually petitioned USDA to to provide or look at means of using the CCC to provide some additional assistance. Uh, isn't that true? And 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 why do you think that's important for 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 rice growers across the country? Yes, Tom, uh, USA Ross has submitted actually two letters to Secretary Vilsack asking for some assistance for the 22 crop year, this current one we're in, for rice farmers in our industry. Uh, you know, rice is really a staple food in most of the world. It's really important to a lot of people, a lot of um, cultures, uh, and it's very important to those of us here in the U.S. who grow it, uh, mill it, dry it. Yeah. Use it in our end products. You know, there's a lot of um, U.S. companies that buy our rice, and and I'm hoping that a lot of the folks listening to this podcast today are eating rice and eating those end products. So, um, we would we certainly want to maintain the infrastructure, the industry, 
keeping rice farmers in the U.S. in business really simply comes down to food security, you know, bottom line. And um, we, we just need to eat the rice grown here in the U.S. and we want to be sure that we stay in business. So that's really why we've gone and asked for some assistance to hopefully just keep us in business so we can ante up for another year. Yeah, and it is a unique crop. I'm, I'm glad you said that. It's it's so important globally, but it's also important domestically from an, from an infrastructure and an economic impact because it is a high value, high input crop. So it has a, you mentioned it earlier, this great impact on local economies in Arkansas and Louisiana and in all the regions uh, where it's grown. But it is, it's so important internationally as well. We, we, typically produce in the U.S. 20 billion pounds of rice a year, feeds people both here in the U.S. and 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 we export to more than 120 countries, uh, based on what I know. Um, maybe talk just a little bit more about, you know, one thing I love about rice is just, it is, it, it's a grain and when people eat it, they see it and and they, they there's almost a connection there to uh, uh, the, the farm that's obvious just in the way it's, it's served on your plate, but talk a little bit about just how, uh, um, how U.S. grown rice plays a role in addressing global hunger. Well, yeah, we do produce um, enough, plenty enough rice for our domestic needs, but we also, you know, sell it to many markets around the world, as you mentioned, you know, more than 120 countries. Um, and we also supply anywhere from 75,000 to 150,000 metric tons of rice for international food aid. Uh, so, you wow. know, we're, we're helping to address hunger issues, but also with some of the new fortification technologies that's available in rice, that we're also um, addressing some malnutrition too. You know, we're keeping the belly full, but we're keeping bodies healthy too. So um, rice going into food aid is just a fraction of our production, but it's something that we're really proud of. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah, body's healthy, brain's healthy. Uh, it helps in so many ways, this basic nutrition. And and it's so accepted in so many cultures. Now, one of the problems I know other countries, like India is probably the best example right now, are propping up their rice producers with billions of dollars a year in subsidies. And they're flooding the world market uh, with subsidized rice, dumped rice in many cases. How's this harmed U.S. growers? And maybe could you talk just a little bit? I know you're in you're in Ar in Arkansas, but talk a little bit about you know you've been involved in these leadership groups, uh, how these international markets influence uh, the U.S. producer, and, and maybe how that's connected to our domestic uh, farm bill type policy. Well, as I mentioned earlier, you know rice is important in a lot of countries, and um, we have to compete with all those other farmers and. Um, those countries that produce rice and most importantly, their governments, like you say, like the governments like India that are propping up their rice producers and um, their overproduction actually has impacted us in a number of ways. Starting right here at home as they've significantly increased their exports into our U.S. markets. And so in addition to that, they've made the U.S. and some other rice exporters less competitive in the world. Um, their, their prices are far below our cost of production. And so um, this just suppresses the world market for rice, the, the price of rice. And, um, you know, that's good for those folks who eat a lot of rice, but it's not helping us out here or in some of the other countries where their cost of production is, is higher than um, that, that the Indian farmers are having to pay. 
Yeah. And for all the listeners, the U.S. has always led the way in in trying to promote free, transparent markets and avoiding things like world dump markets that, that just create a whipsaw effect in the marketplace that can undermine infrastructure in places where it's needed. Um, and, and I think that's exactly what uh, we in the U.S., what our U.S. trade representative is trying to do. They've actually taken some steps to address India's trade violations of late at the WTO, the World Trade Organization. Uh, uh, but maybe, Jennifer, just what more needs to be done uh, to level the playing field for, for U.S. rice farmers? Is this really where our, our U.S. farm bill comes into play? Yes, and we've talked a lot about just the farmer and their margins, but being able to compete globally and, you know, what we would like to say are free markets are really not free markets at this time for rice, especially. And so that's another reason why we certainly need a strong farm bill to help support us and keep us competitive. Yeah, yeah I love it. You know, and Secretary Vilsack has actually, it's its this great kind of irony in world agricultural markets. Secretary Vilsack has, all, has spoken about a pending world global food crisis uh, this summer. So it, it's it's so discouraging. And as, as a farmer, I know, I can only imagine that, you know, where rice prices remain depressed, uh, it is one of the most efficient and most well-utilized, um, you know, sources of, of uh, you know, calories, protein for consumers worldwide. And yet the price just hasn't upticked, even when we're talking about uh, the potential for a global food crisis. Obviously, there are challenges getting it to the people uh, who need it most. Um, but one thing we do know for certain, and I just think it's always so important to keep repeating is, and we need to maintain our infrastructure to produce this food uh, because you got to have the supply out there. Uh, the problems associated with too much supply are always better and the problems associated with not enough supply. So it makes the work that you're doing there on the family farm, Jennifer, so critically important. All right, final word. What's what's uh, maybe just, uh, you've got a crop in the field, and I'm sure you're getting ready for harvest, you're looking at it waving in the, in the wind, or maybe it's just a furnace down there, no wind at all, and it feels like you're in the midst of, of uh, the doldrums in the uh, equator, equatorial zone, but uh, as, as you're looking into the fall and, and into next year, as Congress begins preparing for the 2023 Farm Bill, what's the one thing uh, that you would say Congress needs to remember as they begin to write that Farm Bill? Gosh, there's a, I, I, there's a whole day's worth of one things, right? But, <laughs> uh, you know, really, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a couple of things that family farmers in the United States are vitally important to not only our economies, but our food security. Amen. And, um, the, the vision of, you know, the, the husband and wife with the pitchfork and the overalls is antiquated. It really is. Um, and we have to allow our family farms to move forward and be progressive, utilize technology, uh, be competitive, um, and do the things that we expect of every other type of business, whether it be family business or not. And the farm bill is the way we do that. It just, it just is. And um, that food security for our country is becoming more and more important, I think. Uh, when you go to the store and something is not on that shelf, there's a reason why. And um, we, we, we just need to keep our farmers in business. Um, and when you live in a small town like I do, my, my community is about 7,500 people. My entire county is 13,000 people. 
Uh, we are very dependent on agriculture here. We're very dependent on the rice industry. Our whole community uh, revolves around it. And uh, it's just really important to a lot of places in our country that agriculture is strong and vital. That is so well said. And thank you, Jennifer. And, and you know, the, the world relies upon you. That's what I, I, I love. I mean, I've, I haven't been doing this for a lot of years. I've, I've never met a farmer uh, who isn't mostly altruistic in the work they do. You know, they never talk about profits first. They talk about, we've got to be able to make it and survive as a farm, but we do this for a reason. And that's to feed a hungry world, to pass on the land better than it was passed on to us, to take care of those natural resources and harness them for the good of mankind. So Jennifer, you're a great example of that. Thank you so much. That's going to do it for this episode of Groundwork. I'm Tom Sell.